Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Good evening, everybody. And welcome to Ivy Central. It's great to be with you in the room. And uh, thank you very much to our genius streaming team who are in the cupboard in there, who are making it possible for people to join us online. And if you're joining us online, it's great to see you. Welcome. And uh, why don't you say hi in the chat or in the comments? Tell us where you're joining from. It is great to see you tonight. So Ivy Central, it's a place for us to gather as Ivy from across all the different places we meet in the mornings and in other places during the week. It's a time to worship, to seek God together, to hear from God together. And it's a really important kind of space for us to hear what God is saying for us as a church and the life of the church in this moment. And we are so thrilled that we've got a team visiting us from Chick-fil-A in the US. Can we give them a massive welcome? And uh, they're able to be with us today because they're closed on Sundays. <laughs> hey, just a little Chick-fil-A joke, no? Oh dear, I've blown it. <laughs> just joking. It's great to have you guys here. Thank you so much for coming to serve us as a church. Um, so you may or may, know, may or may not know that next weekend something's happening in the city. So this is our last Ivy gathering before Festival Manchester next weekend. And uh, starting at four o'clock on Friday uh, till nine o'clock, two till nine on Saturday and Sunday, we're going to have, um, there's going to be live music in Withinshaw Park. Thousands and thousands of people are going to be gathering. And it's one of the biggest opportunities to share Jesus with people that live in this city in, well, at least two decades. I remember going to Festival Manchester in 2003 as a teenager. I was probably about 15 at the time, and it was incredible. And I'm, we're so excited as a church for what God's going to do as the churches in Manchester have come together with a message to put this on. And uh, if you haven't already made plans to go, I want to encourage you to do that. And you've got, there are some flyers around, and you can invite your friends to come along to that. And uh, you'd be surprised how God's already at work. I uh, text some dads that I go cycling with and said, you know, you should come along to Festival Manchester. It's going to be a great day for the family. And uh, they said, oh, yeah, we've, we've already been talking about it as a family because we heard it advertised on Spotify. So that's great. So it's going to be an incredible weekend. And I also want to encourage you, you know, this is a huge opportunity for us to serve our city in an amazing way in Jesus' name. And uh, the festival team are looking for people to volunteer, to be festival friends, to be there at that moment. Uh, when someone decides they want to follow Jesus, to stand with them, to pray with them and to bless them and to help them take those first steps. And uh, you can sign up for that by going to the Festival Manchester website, festivalmanchester.com. And a few, oh, actually I know lots of people from the church are signing up for that. And I want to encourage you to do that too. It's going to be an amazing opportunity. To um, my name is Mark, Mark Williamson. Uh, can I say, it's amazing to be here. It kind of feels a bit like coming home for me. And I know that's terribly presumptuous because I've never been to Ivy before. But let me give you a tiny bit of context. So I live in London now, or just outside London. I'm British, you can tell from the accent. I'm not from the States like these guys. But I'm a Lancashire lad. I grew up in Chorley, just up the M61, 
So I was there for the first 18 years, I proper Charlie. So it's always, I'll, I'll slip into the accent now. It's always amazing to come back to the Northwest. And I became a Christian at university in London. So it's always doubly exciting to come back to the Northwest. And it's like, hey, and God is doing amazing things here. And I missed out on that too much in my childhood for the first 18 years. So to come back and see and be a part of what God is doing is super exciting. But it also feels a bit like coming home because I'm old enough these days to remember the message 2000 and Festival Manchester when it was 2003. And I had the privilege to be a part of the teams of Soul in the City 2004. I spent 18 months of my life helping organize that mission and the teams that were coming into London. So I think it's amazing that you guys are continuing to do this stuff and we'll be praying for what you're up to this weekend. I think it's a phenomenal opportunity for you to be able to show God's love and share the gospel with people across this city. So it does feel like coming home. Sorry, I wasn't planning to say that, but thank you, Anthony, for the invite. Um, yes, my name is Mark. I'm married to Joanna. I'm trying to see where she is now. She seems to have stepped out at the moment. Okay, the Polish lady at the back, the blonde lady. And we run a ministry together called One Rock Inter International. And I would love you to chat with myself or my wife at the end of this evening. Um, we're a mission organization, parachurch mission charity, but we're kind of unique in that our focus is on helping people develop leadership capacity. We think that whatever mission organization or mission project is taking place is going on, it can only be as strong as as its leadership. And one of the profound ways that we can try to develop, therefore, the kingdom impact of any church or church plant or social enterprise or youth work project or community project or food bank or whatever is to invest in the leaders and the leadership capacity of that group. That's what we're passionate about. So we work with Christian leaders who are leading in the church, in charity, in business, in civic center, in education. Whatever it is, we want to strengthen their leadership capacity to have a bigger missional impact. One of the biggest things we do each year is called the One Rock Institute. Our next one starts in September. And it's an amazing year of investment in all of this leadership content that we have put together to help people, well, grow closer to God. We talk a lot about spiritual formation, um, to discern more clearly his vision for their lives, um, discerning vision, and then a lot on leadership skills to help people develop their capacity. And we've done that in different places all over the world. And uh, we've worked with people in different contexts. We've helped um, charity leaders in Rwanda. We've done coaching and training for people starting mission uh, ministries in South Africa. We've worked with church planters in Liverpool, not too far from here. People running social enterprises in London. And the next One Rock Institute is an online one primarily, so it's accessible to people all over the UK and Ireland. So I'm here tonight to say, if you're aged in your 20s or 30s, and you're running a mission project, or you're wanting to start something, we'd love to chat with you about whether that institute can help you to start up or scale up a mission project. You get amazing training over the year. You get one-to-one -one coaching with experienced missional leaders. We've got a personality profiling tool from Singapore that helps you massively understand better yourself and how your personality therefore affects your spirituality and your relationship with God, how it affects your vocation, how it affects your natural leadership style. Uh, we bring in um, what we call remarkable lives teaching, looking at amazing missional leaders of the 
past. People like John Wesley, or Hudson Taylor, Amy Carmichael, a phenomenal missionary who went out to India. And it's let's learn from these people about what they've done so we're not reinventing the wheel. And a brilliant part of what we do is we get teams of people from Chick-fil-A who come and teach and coach on the Institute. Um, I've worked with missionaries all over the world, quite literally, and I've had people say to me, I've had people say to me that are doing discipleship training in China, you know what, the people that are doing this character formation, servant leadership stuff the best is Chick-fil-A. If you want to learn about servant leadership, go to those guys. So they come and they teach and they coach as part of our institute. We bring in lots of other bits of content as well. But um, we use so much of their material because it's such good stuff. Um, as Anthony said, the whole concept of this business is, yeah, it's, it's a chicken restaurant chain, but it's built on biblical principles. And it's built on this concept of service, of servant leadership, the power of servanthood. And that's what Mark and Alan are going to come and share on in a moment. And hopefully you'll be able to think about, hey, how is that applicable already, especially this weekend in what you're going to be doing at Festival Manchester, but even in your church, in your workplace, in your family, you know, wherever God has placed you, we're called to be servants and we're called to lead through service. So hopefully you'll directly be able to see how is this applicable to all the stuff that God is calling you to do. But if you would love to learn more about this sort of content, have a chat with myself and Joanna afterwards. If you're aged in your 20s and 30s and you're starting a mission project or you're involved in something and it's kind of plateaued and you'd love to take it to the next level, we would love to chat with you. Um, it's primarily online. It's mainly Monday evenings. So hopefully it's accessible to people that are busy, you know, with full-time work. We know that life is busy, family is busy, church is busy, work is busy. So we don't want it to be an onerous extra thing, but hopefully it's an amazing resource that can help you then scale up whatever is the thing that God has put on your heart. That's our passion, to help you be able to live out the kingdom vision that God's got for you. Okay, I'm going to hand over, I think, first of all, to Mark. Is that right? Um, Mark has come all the way from Arkansas, so he has a slightly different accent to my Charlie one, but you'll, you'll key into it, I'm sure. Wow. This is, we're excited to be here. I mean, got to visit with Anthony uh, for about 30 minutes or more when we first got here. It's unbelievable what the Lord is doing through this church and the ministry here. Uh, coming up for kickoff for Festival Manchester is unbelievable. And I've been to London several times, but I've never been up here in the north to Manchester. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful city. So um, anyway, it's just a privilege. Thank you so much. Um, I don't normally do this, but you know, we're amongst fellow believers here, and I will just tell you that I'm 56 years old, just being vulnerable, but uh, at 29 and a half years old, my life was a complete wreck. Um, I was dead inside, I was wayward, and that's when um, Christ came, saved and redeemed me at 29 and a half years old, and um, he became everything to me, and my whole life turned around, and so it's it's kind of like a life of two parts, being almost heading towards 60 years old. And then several years later, almost 15 years ago, Chick-fil-A came into my life. I became a Chick-fil-A owner-operator and found my vocation you know, for, for life. And um, 
So if you're still looking for things vocationally and you're under 40 years old, don't worry about it. God's, God's getting you there. I'm not going to share that whole story because I'd be here all night. But as Mark said, we are uh, Chick-fil-A. Uh, I'm an owner-operator, run a couple restaurants, so does Alan. We've got some corporate staff here from the home office in Atlanta. Who here doesn't know anything about Chick-fil-A and going, what is going on here? So we got uh, a third maybe, don't know who Chick-fil-A is. We, we are a fast food restaurant. We sell primarily chicken. Uh, we have over 27 really good chicken. And even me, because I grew up in the Midwest of the United States, not a Southerner, when I saw, like, when I was younger, we went to a Chick-fil-A and they had a biscuit, you know, with the butter and the uh, filet of chicken, a chicken breast filet. For breakfast, I was like, what? No way, no way. But it was delicious. And uh, we sell a lot of chicken. I think this year, if I use pounds, I think we'll do, in, uh, the company will do in sales, I think 15 billion pounds or so in annual sales this year. We're only, the only people that are bigger than us in our industry is Starbucks and McDonald's. And so we're pretty big, uh, pretty successful that way, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, we're very blessed, and as Mark alluded to, um, we're, we're different. And I think in the context of us in business, whether we're selling chicken or not, uh, it's very similar to being a Christian. So here we are, we're a company that's actually founded on biblical principles. Um, our, our purpose statement, our corporate purpose statement, is to glorify God by being faithful stewards of all that's entrusted to us and have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Now, how's that for a corporate purpose? I can get behind that. Uh, our corporate purpose isn't to be the biggest. Uh, it's not to be the most profitable. It's to have positive influence and be faithful stewards. And as Christians, you know, we're different. We live different lives. Uh, we have a shared vision statement at Chick-fil-A, and it's to be the world's most caring company. And that came out a few years ago. Uh, that one is really inspiring because there's a lot of things you want to be, you're big, you know, you, you can go Google all these big companies, great companies, startup companies, and check out what their big vision is. And when Chick-fil-A, you know, from the top said, hey, our vision is to be the world's most caring company. First of all, I thought it was, it was amazing and wonderful. I thought it was audacious. And then I thought, wow, this involves me. Because it starts out in our restaurants, me as the owner-operator, to our team members. And first of all, it starts with us caring for our team. I believe that care is a huge part of what we do. And of course, as Christians, we're all about care as well, right? So, this big vision to be the most caring company, uh, I think it's a, when you think about care, what's it based in? It's based in love, right? You can't really care about something or care about someone, I should say, unless you have love for them. And so, for me, it's about how can I be have the most loving Chick-fil-A? How can I love my team members the best way I can? And when we love our, the people around us, or for us, our team, our employees, and we do that well, we care for them well, then the natural outflow is, 
they will care well for our customers. That's how business should be done. Nothing we share, nothing that we do is rocket science. It's not anything I would say really brilliant, but they're principles that work because they're biblically based. There's a verse, of course, you guys will know it well, Matthew 5.41, that we often share, I sh we share with all of our new team members in our restaurants, or at least in my restaurants. It's about going the second mile for others. And most of you are probably familiar with the origins of the phrase, go the second mile. I'm sure Anthony has spoken to you about this, um, but it's a good reminder. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. This was said in the context of Jesus telling them to love your enemies and turn the other cheek. Think about today's culture. Division everywhere. Liberals, I don't know, you guys may not have it over here in England, but liberals and conservatives. To vax or not to vax, right? And we can go on and on and on. We're, we're polar opposites on everything. And um, how do you influence people toward Christ? I mean, you can get out there and pound people on social media. You can argue with people, but where does that get us? And Jesus spoke a different way. In those days, the Romans ruled over the Jewish people and a lot of other people. And the law allowed a Roman soldier to force a Jew to carry his pack or gear one mile, but not one step further. And we can put ourselves in that Jewish person's shoes, right? You're, trying to, you're going to work or you're going wherever, and guess what? Stop. You're going to carry my heavy pack because I can. I got a thumb on you. So Jesus tells him to carry the soldier's pack a second mile. Why would he do such a thing? I mean, why in the world would we do that? And I think we know the answer to that, too. That soldier would go, why in the world would you do this? It would provoke a question, right? And it's so important that the things that we do today, we do things in love that is so radical, people go, why, why would you do that? Because they're expecting a certain response from us in certain situations. I'm going to have a story to go with that in a minute. But this would open up the opportunity for the follower of Christ to share about Jesus and his love, which had redeemed and saved that person's life. So the key to the story might not be so much the act of going the second mile, but the heart and the attitude behind it. And of course, Jesus always says, God says, he looks at the heart. That's where we gauge all of our actions. As a leader, every day, and I get up and I pray, and I go, okay, have a tough conversation with one of my employees, one of my leaders, and I gotta gauge, where's my heart at? Mark, where's your heart at right now? And if my heart's right, there's a good opportunity for that to be a good conversation. Um, if my heart's not right, no chance. And that's with people that I love and care about. Think about those that we, you know, we're not big fans of, we don't get along, maybe we're not friends. I want to give you a little different story in the second mile. This was, um, a rabbi shared this once with me. About the same time as when Jesus shared this, there was a poor old man walking down the Via Mera Road, and three Roman soldiers were walking toward him. And one of them said, Jew, carry my pack. He did, of course. 
When they completed the first mile, the old man, remembering what the preacher Jesus had said, reluctantly offered to carry the soldier's pack the extra mile. When he did this, the soldiers laughed and mocked, mocked him. And one of the soldiers asked him, would you, give me, would you give me your money too, Jew? Yes, he responded. So the second soldier then asked, Jew, would you give me your house? Rolling his eyes, he again responded, yes. Finally, the third Roman soldier chimed in. What about your coat? Would you give us your coat, Jew? There's a little pause. Then the old man looked up at all three of the great Roman soldiers and said, no, that I will not give you. Surprised, the soldier said, why not? And the little Jewish man said, because the coat I have. What's the message of that story? You can't give away what you don't have. The old man didn't have the love of Christ in his heart, so he didn't have it for the Roman soldier. It's a very convicting um, story because when we're engaging people, whether I'm doing it as an owner-operator at Chick-fil-A, uh, as a neighbor, talking to someone, um, God looks at our heart. And the influence that we're going to have, how God works through us as fragile vessels, is based on where our heart is. Each one of you here, as Christians, is cloaked with the love and grace of Christ himself. We're cloaked in the robes of Christ's righteousness. Sometimes, uh, and I thought about this as a, when I was a new believer and I was you know, uh, in a different place in life. What do I have really to give or to offer people? But when we have Christ inside of our hearts, we have everything to give. And he gave all for us. At Chick-fil-A, we've experienced this. In 2012, there was, and you may have heard this story, because uh, it was definitely international, and I've talked to a lot of people the last several years over London that asked about it. But there was a large community of people in the U.S. that thought, as a company, Chick-fil-A, that we hated uh, homosexuals. This was not true, uh, not true of Dan Cathy. But that's what people felt, and of course, the media loves that kind of stuff. Uh, in fact, they love to try and put the, the whole thing on, on marriage in between in the Chick-fil-A restaurant. And we, we sell chicken. Um, you know, uh, by the way, we are in, uh, inclusive of everyone in our hiring. Uh, we have a very diverse population in Chick-fil-A and as operators um, around the country. But 2012, August, it's hot. Temperatures rise. People's blood boils. This thing started to get out in the media. And we had uh, a week of protests all across the country. All of our restaurants had big protests. So these are people that um, were angry with us. They put us in a box. They had preconceived notions of us that weren't true. And think about when, after you're saved and you start having convictions about things, you start living for Christ. And sometimes people don't like that. And they become kind of adversarial. They, um, they may attack you a little bit. So what did we respond? How did, what did we do? We didn't call the media outlets and try and defend our position. 
Um, we didn't get picket signs out there against them or rally in our people to support them. In fact, I had one uh, gentleman come into the restaurant and he, uh, he said, he was a big guy, and not the stereotype, but he was kind of a biker guy, you know, and he said, hey, I'm in here to, we believe like you about those people. And I said, you don't, I don't think you know anything about what I believe, but we definitely don't believe the same thing and I don't need your help. So we had picketers out there at my restaurant. Alan did too, I'm sure. And it was hot. And so we did respect them. We said, hey, you guys can pick it. Here's where you can't go for safety and stuff like that, but you're free to do that. And so we went the first mile with them. We showed them honor, dignity, and respect. But how could we go the second mile? And so it was, we went out there and we gave them water, offered them different kinds of drinks. You want, we have great lemonade, by the way. It's amazing. We brought them food. And they were kind of going, why? There was not the response they expected from us. We were loving them and trying to care for them. Some of us had the opportunity to invite them into our restaurants and visit across, so to speak, the dining room table over a meal and listen to them and hear them. And we may not have changed, you know, a viewpoint here or there, but, but some of us became friends where they thought we were an enemy, gained respect and came together. And for those that were sort of trying to sensationalize us and do certain things, it turned out pretty poorly for them. And uh, that's one example that shows where the natural inclination is to defend yourself. We want to defend ourselves. And I believe in apologetics very strongly. I believe in systematic theology. Uh, as Anthony was saying, you know, was it Francis of Assisi that said, uh, by all means, share the gospel, share the gospel you know, and if, but if you need to use words, use words. Well, it takes both. It's the behaviors with the gospel. And Christ was the example. And so, you know, whether it's in this church and you guys would go back home, work, family, all those kind of things, Festival Manchester, there's going to be opportunities and people expect us to act a certain way. But Scripture in the Bible points a different, us a different direction. And it's the way of the cross. Um, but that's where God does great work. When we humble ourselves, when we love people that don't love us, because we have something inside of us that is there to be shared and to be given. I've probably gone too long. Um, I'll share one last thing. So at Chick-fil-A, 2,700 restaurants. And we're fast food. You guys have McDonald's and you guys have fast food restaurants here, right? Okay. I was in my, this is before COVID. I was, we're open, dining room's open now, but this is a few years ago. And I was sitting in the dining room doing some stuff and a lady walked up to me and she said, are you the owner operator? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she said, uh, my family's over there eating, we're finishing up. And I just want you to know that uh, we've had a family tragedy. We actually live in Texas, small town in Texas. We're up here for this family, it's a bad deal. It's been hard in the family. She didn't share what happened. I was kind of thinking maybe somebody had died, but the family was down and they were hurting. And she said, they had like three kids. And <laughs> it gets me emotional now, thinking about it. 
She said, this morning, our daughter said, hey, maybe we could go to Chick-fil-A and that would make us feel better as a family. Now, immediately, I'm like, oh my gosh, here's this family. They got this great Chick-fil-A in Texas. It's probably Allen's. And, like, and she said, this, it's our Chick-fil-A. We go there all the time. We know all the staff. I mean, it's, it's like they're family to us. And so, you know, our daughter said, they're like, yeah. And I'm going, oh, man, how do we do? How do we? We probably didn't measure up. And she said, you know, we came in, and a, a young lady said, hey, welcome to Chick-fil-A. How may I serve you? And it's our pleasure to do it. And somebody came around and checked our meal, refreshed our beverages. And she said, you know, we just, and by that time, they'd started to get up and come over. And it was a really beautiful picture. I think of the body of Christ, you know, where as fellow believers, we, whether it's going into a different church, like something's going on, you're out of town, and you go to a different church, and you hear that message of the gospel, and you're loved on by brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, the brand of Chick-fil-A, yeah, we're big, um, very successful, but it's not why we're doing it. You know, we're doing it to be faithful stewards of what we've been given, to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And we really have a vision of being the world's most caring company. And at the end of the day, those are things that really matter in life. You know, so I'm maybe more the teacher, but Alan is the preacher. Alan Williams is a great guy. We've become friends. He's out of Texas. He's 18 years as a Chick-fil-A operator. I'm only 14. But, you know, we both are getting gray, older, and we're trying to get these sage beers, so we look really smart. <laughs> Thank you all very much. Thank you so much. Um, gosh, um, it's an honor to be here, and it's really an honor to be in front of you for what you're about to go do next weekend. What an opportunity to go into the mission field for festival, um, the music festival. Um, so taking some of the things that Mark was talking about with the being a positive influence, let me tell you a little story about one of the things that I got to experience about um, servant leadership. So we serve our teams, we teach our teams, we say, okay, you servant leadership, you gotta, we have to care for our customers, we're the world's most caring company. And then there's this lady named Perry. <laughs> Perry would come in the drive-through in the morning, every morning for breakfast. And she'd be mad. I mean, she'd come in, and she's just angry. And she'd come up to drive through, and she'd yell at the team members. And then she'd drive up to the team, to the, um, the box, to a receiver of food. And then she'd yell at them. And then the next time, she'd come through the drive through and then she'd order something different, and then get to the drive through and blame us for getting it wrong. She was so angry. And I'm like, Guys, and then we would replace the food. Of course, we have to replace the food for free. So that, where does that come? It comes right out of my pocket. <laughs> and Perry was so frustrating. And I was like, okay, I've got to put an end to this. I've got to invite her to go to McDonald's for breakfast or someplace, <laughs> anything. <clears throat> anyplace else, and I'll pay for it, whatever it takes. And our team was like, oh, they got the vision better than I did. And these two leaders were in the front, in the, in the uh, cockpit of the drive-thru, and she comes through and she'd say, Terry, uh, Perry, did you mean to order a tea or instead of the Coke that you ordered? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then she started smiling when she would leave. And then she'd come, I saw her coming into the drive-thru and she was angry until she hit her drive-thru and she started smiling. As soon as she came in, 
and our team was serving her in great ways and great care. And it kept going. And then um, everybody, you know, then she, by, by the time, you know, several months later, um, she's coming in, and she's just a joy, a bundle of joy coming through the drive-thru. And then I saw her inside. I'd never seen her inside before. And she was with two guys. And I'm like, Perry, you're inside. Welcome. You know? <laughs> and she's like, I love your, the folks. And I never told her what I really felt about her to begin with, of course. But, man, she, she had two guys with her. And I said, what are you all doing inside? And she said, well, my husband had brain cancer. And he passed away. And he, here are her brothers. And we're planning the funeral. And I'm like, Really? Here in a restaurant? Just by being kind. That's the opportunity that we have, being kind. There's a lot of stuff out there in this community, in this COVID, in this season. We have those opportunities always. So then, going down a few years later, taking, I'm going to take a left turn, right turn, left turn, out of Chick-fil-A into personal personally. Um, so short, long story short, I was diagnosed with cancer um, about uh, 12 years ago. And the cancer journeys, I went through chemo treatments. I don't know how many surgeries. I was told at one point, stage four, 4% chance of surviving five years. And God is a healing God. But I did not know that he was so loving. I thought the healing and stuff happened back in those days until I had cancer and I wanted to be healed. And as I started praying, Lord, help me. Help me receive what you have for me. Help me, Lord, receive the fullness that you have for me. Chemo treatments were, they said, nasty chemo. I don't know good chemo, <laughs> but it was a year of nasty chemo. They said most people don't make it through the chemo treatments. It's called interferon. In that interferon treatment, they said... Um, that uh, you're going to feel like being in bed for a year. But every morning, and feel like flu-like symptoms, worse than COVID, <laughs> um, flu-like symptoms, um, and just really not wanting to get out of bed. And, um, then I, but then I went into the place of going to God every morning, spent two hours with him, with worship, worship, and prayer, and studying his word. And when I did that, I had the strength for the day. If I didn't do it, I didn't have the strength for the day. And I tell people, of friends of mine, that are just kind of wired up, say, how do you get close to God? Take chemo. <laughs> <laughs> no one's taken me up on it yet. <laughs> oh. And then the love that I got to receive when I go to MD Anderson, which is a world-renowned cancer um, center in Houston, Texas. And um, we go down to Andrew Anderson, and um, we go from intentional acts of kindness in our business to divine appointments in the moments. And every day, every time that I would go in there, there would be somebody that was like a target. <laughs> God would highlight them. And then one day I went in, and you got to minister to them so many different times. God showed up in so many of those relationships. There's one day I went in, and I'm like, okay, who is it this time, God? And I'm filling out the form, ready to go. And he, and he highlights this chair over in the corner, and I'm like, nobody's over there. And I'm like, and he's, so I go over, sit at the chair. And then a few minutes later, this young couple 
comes bopping in. They took a shower in the bathroom of a Whataburger, which is another fast food restaurant. <laughs> it wasn't Chick-fil-A, but they took a bath when they were driving from Oklahoma down to um, Houston over eight hours. And their story was he had just been diagnosed with cancer. They were engaged, but she wanted to marry him and go through the journey with him, to be with him and support him. He was in banking, the same job that I started off in, had the same job that I had started off in when I was his age. And there, there's this time when you go in to get your scans, your tests. You drink this barium solution that's like this stuff that lights up your insides. And they call it cooking. Do you understand what I mean by cooking? They, the, the nurses, they don't tell the patients this, but <laughs> it's cooking. You, you, you drink it a little bit at a time for over a two-hour window, and then so it lights up your insides and it's all throughout your body. So we were sitting there cooking together. And... Uh, then uh, he goes back to get his tests, and his wife's still there, and she's a young girl that's maybe 25 or 30, and um, then we stop talking, and I'm going into my Bible study, and I start reading, and I feel God say, read her that verse. And I'm like, what, God? And he said, read her that verse. So I read her that verse, and she looks at me. He's sitting on the couch with covers and blankets, and then he says, tell her it's going to be okay. Then I said, it's going to be okay. And she bawls. She's bawling. I said, what? She said, that verse was read over us at our wedding the weekend before. And I've been asking God, is it going to be okay? We've got such an opportunity out there in this world today. Mm. So a few years ago, this lady named Martha comes into our restaurant. And you know, I've been praying, God, okay, this is, these people are really in hope and need and MD Anderson going through cancer. What, about, what does it look like in, our, in the real world out, outside the cancer? So this lady comes in and, in, a, in a restaurant, and I saw her, and I felt God say, go over and ask her how she's doing. Is she going through anything? And she had a wrap of you know, cloth around her head. And she had no hair. And I walk up to her and I said, Hi, I'm Alan. Are you going in through anything? And she looks at me like, You idiot. <laughs> you know, with a little deal like that. And I said, I am too. And her eyes opened up big and said, What? And I sat down with her and we got to spend time with her. She had grandkids in our playscape. And we were talking. Um, and then I got to pray for her. I don't even know what we said or what I prayed. But I just felt God was leading me to do that. So she leaves. Two weeks later, she comes back. And we, we've got one guy on our leadership team who's an atheist. She comes in to talk to him. Or talks to him. And says, hey, where's Alan? So he takes her to me. And she comes up to me and she said, I just got back from my tests. And all the cancer was gone, and there's no evidence that it had ever been there. Yes. <laughs> and she's going to my church now. <laughs> oh, man. There's so many opportunities that we have. But like Mark said a little while ago, we can't, we can't keep, we can't, get, can't give away what we don't have. 
I had a friend of mine told me, he said, you can't keep, you can't, uh, keep what you don't give away, too. Um, it's right in line with that. You can't keep what you don't give away. So first, uh, Second Corinthians says, the very thing that we have that God's comforted us, it's the very gift that we have to give others. And oftentimes that's where our ministry can be. Not always, but it can be. That's what mine is. It's the ministry of people going through cancer. Um, John 17, Jesus prays for us to be one with each other. That the world would know that you, Father, have sent me. And he says, and I pray, Lord, that they, us, know that you love them as you love me. And this sonship and daughtership and the love from the Heavenly Father is what we have to receive, if we can. Get this carnal mind out of the way of the Spirit going to the heart of who we are. Sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, worthy of the callings in which we're called to give away, to give away next weekend. So one more story. Can I do that one more story? A year ago today, I was in maybe the toughest place I'd ever been in my life. I was, had gotten COVID, and I spent 30 days in the hospital. I lost 30 pounds in two weeks. My body was hanging off. My muscles were hanging off the bones. I had, my wife couldn't come in to see me. Um, it was the toughest journey I ever had. But for three or four days in there, I had this opportunity. Um, let me go through this experience. Can you close your eyes? Can you close your eyes for just a minute? And just think of this. So I was, they had this high flow oxygen going in my mouth, in my nose. I'm sorry, not my mouth, just my nose. At high concentrations of oxygen, and I felt like I was drowning. And I was picturing the Heavenly Father, the Heavenly Father, the miracle breath of life, breathing each breath into my nostrils. The breath of the Holy Spirit, the breath of life. Getting to the point of being so thankful for that breath. And then, Lord, please give me another. Please let me receive another. With a picture of Jesus' face in front. In this Holy Spirit cocoon of nothing but me and the Heavenly Father, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and one, and receiving in the purification. Talk about idols dropping. Oh. That allow us to receive something that we can steward and is so greatly to give. And in those moments, I got to talk with him. Talk with him. I said, glory. I said, Lord, what is your glory? Lord, what is your glory? What does that mean? What is that? And he said, go to the Mount of Transfiguration the glory that's in you, that I've given you. In the Mount of Transfiguration, 
Peter takes Peter, John, and James up to the mountain, and Jesus' face shone like the sun, and his robe was white, and that glory that's in us that he is giving us. And in John 17, he also says, and Lord, the glory that you have given me, I have given them. Rest and thankfulness. Rest. Your glory for each one that's personal, that's your fingerprint of the glory of God in you, lifting you up, each one of you. In Jesus' name. Does anybody want more? Does anybody want more? Does anybody want more back there, Joyce? Yeah. <laughs> I got the... <laughs> Let's go for more. Is there... I, I don't know. Hi, I'm Anthony Delaney. I'd love to welcome you to Ivy Church. Do check out the website, click on a few buttons, look at some previous teaching and some of the other things that we've been involved with. And why not plan to join us soon at one of our locations? Join a grow group, do the alpha course and figure out for yourself what it is that Christians believe. Or if you've got anything we can pray about, be in touch, press the contact button so that you can email us, let us know about you and how we hope you can be part of us. Come and join us at Ivy Church.